what's happening here is a lot of quiet. Um, you know, it's, it's eerie to walk out in the morning on a beautiful summer day and not see bicycles uh, out in front of the main house or to go out in the afternoon and not hear softball or laughter from the lake or uh, to walk through the dining hall and have uh, empty spaces rather than people enjoying their spaghetti. Uh, so there's a lot of, of strangeness around that. Hello, welcome to Vermont Untapped, a podcast from the Vermont Folklife Center that explores the state through the voices of its own residents. I'm Mary Wesley. The sounds you're hearing were recorded this summer at Camp Killalit in Hancock, Vermont. The camp was eerie and empty because for the first time in 93 years, no campers came to Killalit. The reason, of course, is COVID-19. This is the second episode in a six-part series where we take you to six different Vermont communities where we spent some time listening to what people are going through and what they're thinking about. As you might be picking up, for this episode, we also spent time listening to what it sounds like at this particular camp. Since 1927, kids aged 9 to 14 have come in droves to this small strip of land along the Hancock Branch, a tributary to the White River in central Vermont. But not this summer. We made a very tough decision that we weren't going to run, and we were going to break the hearts of kids who had been getting through the months of closed school because they thought everything will be all right when I get to Killalee. And you understand we're a camp where most campers come back and can tell you in early September how many days it is until we open the next summer. That's Kate Seeger, the director of Camp Killalee, along with her husband, Dean Spencer, who you heard at the top of the show. On the day we interviewed them over Zoom, it was raining in the camp house, which is the background noise you'll hear when they're speaking throughout the episode. Kate and Dean have been directing the camp since 1998, and Killalit has been in the Seeger family since 1949, when Kate's parents, John and Ellie Seeger, took it over from the original founders. Back in August, I drove down to Camp Killalit with assistant producer Abra Claussen to meet Kate, Dean, and Kate's brother, Tony Seeger, who is also involved in the camp. Both Kate and Tony grew up going to Killalit every summer, and I should also mention that Tony is currently on the board of directors for the VFC. During our visit, we all wore masks and mostly stayed outside, toured the campus. Okay, yes, we also visited the horse barn and maybe there were some carrots involved. Abra also brought an audio recorder and made some recordings of the eerily empty camp. Maybe this sounds weird. Why record an empty space? For us, it was another way to observe and document the profound changes in daily life that have been brought about by the pandemic. I mean, could you ever imagine dropping by a summer camp in mid-August and hearing this? What you'd expect to hear might be something more along these lines. In fact, what you're hearing now are the sounds of Camp Killalit. They're just the sounds of Camp Killalit in 1958.
no, we don't have a time machine. Well, actually, we kind of do. For the VFC and other cultural research organizations like ours, the historic recordings in our archives allow us to time travel, to revisit sounds and voices from other moments in time and other points of view. Listening to recorded sound offers us a unique way to connect with and understand the people and places represented in those recordings. Let's try it now. Don't you kind of feel like you're almost there at camp? I wonder what's for lunch. These historic recordings of Camp Killalit are not from the VFC archive. They were recorded in 1958 by Ed Badeau and released by Folkways Records, now Smithsonian Folkways, on two LPs. Sounds of Camp, which features documentary soundscapes of Killalit, and Songs of Camp, which, as you'd imagine, is full of camp songs. They are used here with permission. Once was a passenger. His cart with fruit was laden high. As he rode along, he cried across the village green. Cried apples, peaches, and cherries. Cried apples, peaches, and cherries. Here's Tony, also in the rainy camp house, telling us about the recordings. Ed Bedeau was a was a musician and. Um, and singer who, who was greatly influenced by our uncle Pete Seeger. That's right, the Pete Seeger, who spearheaded the American folk revival and viewed folk music as a catalyst for social change. Uh, and was a camp counselor and learned about singing at camps from Pete, and uh, then came here to this camp and brought many of those songs and, and uh, Pete's uh, How to Play the Five-String Banjo way of teaching the banjo and, uh, and guitar and singing here. And uh, he decided he wanted to make a documentary recording for Folkways. Uh, Folkways Records, a company uh, in New York City, a private company that was later taken over by the Smithsonian. Our connection with Tony Seeger is really what led us to this story. Tony is an anthropologist and audiovisual archivist, and the VFC is so lucky to have him on our board and taking an interest in our archive. He participated in bringing the old Folkways record label to the Smithsonian, and served as the first curator and founding director of the new Smithsonian Folkways recordings from 1988 to 2000. He's thought a lot about recording sound. Okay, batter up! Uh, archives and archival recordings uh, are different from history books and, and, and because people who write history books edit history. But archival recordings, you have actually what people said and the way they said it and the silences between the words and, and, their, and, and, and their use of language. And you can't get that in any other way. So, the, so there's a particular value to sound archives. And, Recordings are a kind of time machine. They can, they can take you back, and sounds can sort of spark memories that, that you might not have without the sounds. Um, so I think it's a, it, it's, it's a fascinating thing to, to be able to hear what this camp was like 60 years ago, compare with what it was like last summer, which in many respects are very similar. The 
same piece may be played on the piano and they all march out and start talking at the same time on the, on the porch. We're still shouting at the campers about keeping the horses apart so they don't kick each other. And swimming sounds very much the same. And so, yeah. so, so if you listen to last year, we're thinking of last year's sounds, the sounds haven't changed that much. Maybe last year Killaleet sounded like a timeless summer camp recording, but when Aubrey and I were there, it sounded decidedly like 2020. Anything but normal. A camp without campers. To be here in the summer without the children here, and the sound that is most absent is that sound of children's laughter. And when we have uh, alumni families who have stopped by to visit the lake, when we had Tony and Judy's granddaughters uh, who have been visiting with their parents come down to visit the lake or to play in the brook, we can hear those laughs hundreds of yards away. And uh, there's nothing like it. Dean, Kate, and Tony spent this summer at Killaleet along with their families but they knew they wanted to connect with the children, families, counselors, and staff who were supposed to be there with them. There were a number of our camp families who urged us to provide some online programming, um, which is ironic because we're resolutely screen-free here during normal summer. Um, so we have installed some wireless, and we've been with the help of about 15 or 18 counselors running some digital programming for campers who want to participate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our second virtual Killaleet Sing. Welcome to campers, parents, camper families, staff, alumni, new families. We're glad that you could join us. We are streaming this on Facebook, and Facebook sometimes drops things. Over the summer, Dean and Kate figured out how to offer virtual camp programming. There was cooking, dance, mapping, art, but it seems that one of the strongest threads that weaves through Camp Killaleet is music and song. The sings at Killaleet are part of the heartbeat of camp for alumni and current campers. We have always had music at camp, and it has become a very eclectic mix of music brought by the counselors and brought by campers. And so in a typical sing when we're all here, sing is in the corner of the main building and campers audition. One of the rules is you have to memorize all the words. So really you are knowing the song and you're able to present it. And a lot of songs are ones that campers know, staff know, and a lot of people sing along with. We encourage choruses. But also campers sometimes do a song they've just written or they do a ballad that doesn't really have much of a chorus or they play piano. And that's also happening on Zoom. And so it's exciting to see campers audition. And we've had a couple of songwriters auditioning, you know, songs they've just written that week. I will follow you, I will follow you, like birds flying away. When you're weary, feeling small. 
mind I'm going to Carolina Ever I've been and gone the blues run the game One blue sky above us One ocean lapping all our shores One earth so green and round who could ask for more? Well, you can't hear a, a sing-along on Zoom. That's one of the one of the sad things about uh, about music because the part of camp music is often very involving, and everybody sings together and creates community in a sense out of a group of individuals sitting on the floor and in chairs. But um, we often run it with uh, with with. Um, Everybody sort of a tiny screen, so we can we can as we're singing watch people's mouths move, and um, and we encourage people to sing regardless of whether they're by themselves or in a room with a whole bunch of other people, and if, uh, the, to sing along too because participation and making music is really the objective, and it's something like two thirds of the campers that can't present a performance perform sometime at a sing during the summer. Is that right? Is it yeah, like it's that? it's pretty high. It's, it's a it's a large number, so it, it, this is something that. Learning to perform, learning to sing in front of other people and with other people this is really also one of the things you learn to do here as well as perhaps swing a, swing a softball bat or, or ride a horse. It's not really by chance that music has such a central role at Camp Killalit. There's no doubt that the Seeger family legacy of creating community around music and song is alive and well. So much attention has been focused on music in schools and so little attention has been focused on, on summer camps where there's a whole lot more music happening and also where so many millions of people are experiencing it and then taking it home and teaching it to their friends. So um, I think the music is important to them and, and they make it at camp and, they, and they're influenced and remember it from summer camps for decades afterwards. Let's listen to some camp songs from 1958. Girl, the prettiest girl I ever saw. I ever saw a sip inside her through a straw. The prettiest girl I ever saw was sip inside her through a straw. There's also a piece of it that is very much about crossing that um, divide between uh, audience member and participant or creator. Uh, that if you are in a world where there's very little electronic input, then uh, you're going, we need the sound. And we, if we have very little electronic input for it, then we're going to need to create the sound together. Dean, Kate, Tony, and many Killalit campers did still find ways to create the sound together, even during COVID. And one thing that made that possible was the sense of a tight-knit community that has been fostered at Camp Killalit for generations. The thing that about, it reminded us that part of the community's power is the connection between people. And the fact that we could encourage that connection even through an artificial community, through Zoom, was, was very exciting. And it reinforced the importance of 
in our, for humans to find ways to connect in communities that are supportive. There's a track, the last track on that album, Songs of Camp, it begins with, with our father That's talking right. about the end of the summer. And he, he says, you know, this, we, we're like a fire. We blaze for a while and then it's over. And so when it's over, this is the end. But while it has happened, wonderful things have happened. I've always said, and I say it again, that uh, the camp is very much like a fire. It burns and goes out, but it makes a pretty fire while it's burning and it's nice and warm. And everybody that was here could feel the warmth of camp as it burned all summer. And I wanted you, each one of you here tonight, to put something onto this fire to more or less make it a group fire. Then we will, we will take a flame from it and light all the candles and set them sailing across the lake in symbol of the fact that you are now going out across the distant spaces. And I would like each cabin to come up here and drop something in. You can say something if you want. You can speak or not. Each child is given a, a piece of shingle with a candle on it and has, gets it lit and then can float it off into the lake, which then becomes sparkling uh, on a nice evening, becomes a sparkling um, uh, lake indeed. And we also put one out for Margaret Bartlett, uh, the founder of the camp. And, and so in a way, the, the final campfire is not only ending a summer, but it's also recognizing the continuity of the ends of summers with, from, the, from the very first in 1927. These are the names of all the people in my cabin who helped me have a great summer this year. Well, this is nothing at all, but just I'm thanking everybody in Camp Kelly for making me have a wonderful summer. This piece of park isn't much, really, but I really think <laughs> it's wonderful. I'm putting in this cup, which was the top of some juice that Pop and Peg gave us. <laughs> In memory of all the good food the pop and peg <laughs> This year, things were understandably a bit different. We are going to try to have a last campfire, and we're urging people to figure out if they can float a candle in a little bowl of water. And I was doing a test with a piece of cardboard with a little piece of tinfoil on it. It floats pretty well if the candle's not too tall, so, you know as a way of saying that's, that's one of our symbols of closure. And I think music speaks to all those emotions. And that is another reason why music is very alive in our culture even now, not only the Killy culture, but culture as a whole, and why it's very important. You've been listening to the voices of Tony Seeger, Kate Seeger, and Dean Spencer, in addition to Sounds of Camp and Songs of Camp from Smithsonian Folkways Recordings. 
As the events of 2020 continue to unfold, the Folklife Center's Listening in Place project is an ongoing effort to maintain and cultivate community, listen to others, and document our extraordinary daily lives together during the pandemic and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about making your own recordings or doing your own interviews within your family, household, or community, head to our website at www.vtfolklife.org listening to learn more. If you so choose, the recordings you make could be added to the VFC archive and become part of our time machine, allowing future Vermonters to revisit and learn from what we're going through now. This fall, we're offering several free virtual workshops via Zoom that introduce the Listening in Place project and its many activities. We have one coming up on November 14th that offers training on how to record interviews with your family and loved ones. This can be a way to stay connected during the upcoming holidays when we may not be able to gather as much as we like. From all of us here at the VFC, we hope you and your families are keeping as well as can be. We'll be sharing more stories from our Listening in Place project through this podcast and also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow us at Vermont Folklife. Thanks to Smithsonian Folkways for permission to use selections from Sounds of Camp and Songs of Camp in this episode. You can find both albums, as well as the entire Smithsonian Folkways catalog, at folkways.si.edu. Finally, a huge thanks to Kate, Dean, Tony, and all the Killaleet campers who sang in the virtual campfire. You can find the full video of the virtual sing, along with some photos and other goodies, in our show notes at www.vtfolklife.org untapped. If you liked listening to this show, please tell others to look us up and subscribe. You can find Vermont Untapped on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. Vermont Untapped is produced by me, Mary Wesley. Aubra Clausen was an assistant producer on this episode. Our executive producer, who also happens to be the VFC archivist, is Andy Kolovos. The cello music in this show was recorded by Dave Hoy. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>